Amen. We're going to turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 2. in the house of God with us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I hope you all have a great Christmas this, this upcoming Wednesday. Spend time with your family. Eat lots of food. Repent later. You'll be all right. One, somebody, somebody told a kid, he said, I really want a bike. So he said, I'm a, you know, I was going to pray for it. And uh, he was going to pray for the bike. His mom said, well, did you pray for the bike? He said, no. He goes, I realize that's not how God works. I stole it and then asked for forgiveness later. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> we can have fun in church here today. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for them in the end. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. No vacancy. No vacancy. Would you set down your Bibles? And let's pray that God would speak to each and every heart here today. I pray that there would be an openness of heart, an openness of mind. That as these words are preached, Lord, that you have placed in my heart, God, that it would plant in someone else's and it would take root, God that it would be a blessing, that it would continue to grow and to multiply in their life. We're giving you praise and glory in the wonderful name of Jesus. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell your neighbor, God bless you, and you can be seated. No vacancy. When we read the Bible, as, uh, as Christians, we should read the Bible. <laughs> in fact, uh, Elder Johnson's going to be handing out some Read the Bible in a Year pamphlets next weekend. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, if you just read the verse twice, then that means you'll read the Bible twice in a year. So just go ahead and make sure you do that. But uh, as you read the Bible, there's a lot of information that is presented to us, uh, and, and often we read things within our current context. Um, we read it within our culture, within our mindset, within 
what is currently surrounding us. And, um, but that's not always how the scriptures were written. They weren't written uh, so that they could be interpreted through a 21st century mindset. They were written so that they might be understood in the way that they were written. And uh, the book of Luke is one of those books. Each gospel was written for a specific purpose to a specific group of people. That's why uh, some people would say, well, the Bible has some, some differences and there's some, uh, there's, there seems to be uh, some, some people are not coming together on some things. There's uh, some, some discrepancies in the Scripture. But there are no discrepancies in the Scriptures. In fact, what you're seeing is multiple eyewitness accounts that are being brought together from different angles. And all it's doing is strengthening the point that was already made uh, when just reading one account. But it's also not just trying to strengthen a point, but what is being presented is, I am writing this gospel to a completely different group of people. You'll see, for example, each gospel writer will open up and one will take it all the way back to Adam, being the son of God. He goes to a pre-Jewish Israel. Another will take him back to Abraham and say, Abraham, the father of the faithful, and he will take it back to that place. But when we look at the book of Luke, it is a book that is being written to a gentleman by the name of Theophilus. If you read the book of Acts, you'll find that the Bible opens up unto the great and mighty, whatever he wants to call these extra words to him, Theophilus. This man was was somebody who was commissioned by Rome to find out what was going on with this thing called Jesus. People wanted to know, and especially the government wanted to know what was so changing and shaping their nation. They wanted to figure out what was going on with this myth called Jesus. So they sent this this man by the name of Luke out. And Luke went to go and find and to prove to the governor that this was not a myth. And you will find that in the way that Luke writes, he is a physician. He is somebody who is scholarly. He is going to make sure that that he didn't write it once upon a time because this isn't a once upon a time story. I know that our world wants to talk about Christmas in the same light as they do Santa Claus. But I got news for you. There is no fairy tale with Jesus' birth. My Bible says that it came to pass in those days. This isn't a once upon a time because he begins to tell them what days he's referring to. This is exactly what Isaiah would do when he is writing and he says, in the year that King Uzziah died. He is going back in history. He is saying this is not some fantasy. This is not some mythical thing that is happening. But I am taking you back to an exact point in history. And that is what Luke is doing. He said it came to pass in those days that there came a decree from Caesar, a Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. So anybody that is trying to figure out whether or not Jesus was really born, all they've got to do is go back in the history books and find out the time when Caesar Augustus said, I'm going to tax the entire world, and out comes a Savior who is Jesus Christ. This isn't a myth. This is, this is factual. It came to pass in those days. In the very days where Caesar Augustus. Let me tell you a little bit and tell a story here today about Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus' original name was Octavius. He was adopted by Julius 
Caesars for those that are Shakespeare fans. I thought Shakespeare wrote the Bible. Uh, there was a plot against Julius Caesar's life, and they ended up coming together to kill him. There were three main conspirators, Octavius being his adoptive son, Mark Antony, and Marcus Lepidus. These three men took over the entire Roman Empire, and one by one, they started ruling together as a team. This is where some people don't understand where the doctrine of the Trinity came in, that there can be three in power. I want to tell you that's a Roman concept. It was never a one God Jewish concept. This was the first triune leadership in Rome. But Octavius didn't want it to be that way. And so he and Mark Antony decided, we're going to get rid of Marcus. So they exiled Marcus. But soon Mark Antony decided he wanted to try to go after this. So he and Cleopatra decided to try and do a war against Octavius. But Octavius got the rule of Rome. And he himself, with the army, took them out and became Caesar Augustus. But I want to explain what Caesar Augustus means. Caesar Augustus was the first emperor of Rome. Rome always prided themselves on being a nation governed by laws and not by men, much like America would say today. But this was the moment where it changed. The first one emperor of Rome, the one that had all authority and all power, was now taking over the entire country. But that, that word Augustus is not just saying that he wanted to have some longer name so he could be more royal. But what he was pulling into this is that I am divinely running this nation and this world. What he was telling them is I am the son of a God. I am the son of God. And I am coming to rule the world. And I am coming to run the world. So when Luke is writing, he knows very well what he is writing. In the very year where, where Caesar Augustus, the one who said, I am the son of God. The one that said, I rule the world. I have all power and I have all authority. He said it was in that very time, in that very leadership, that there was a baby by the name of Jesus the Bible says that he shall have the government upon his shoulders, that of his kingdom there shall be no end. He was the king of kings, lord of lords. He was the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the way, the truth, the life, the bread, the water. He was everything. He was the son of God. Somebody give him some praise. Hallelujah. And it is here that Caesar Augustus is trying to he is trying to show forth his authority. He's not just going to tax one group. He's going to tax the world. He's going to tax the entire known world to try to show his dominance and his authority. This tax, however, uh, for as much negative things as we could say about the egotistical Caesar Augustus, there's one thing that we can say he did right. He understood that I am going to tax the world, but I can't have them hate me about this, so I'm going to send them home to visit their family. In case you're wondering why we visit family on Christmas. There you go. Thanks, Caesar Augustus. But it is there that they are sent to their home cities. 
And it is Joseph and Mary that are on their way to a place called Bethlehem to be taxed. Now, this tax isn't like you and I would consider it. It's not just where you go. It's not just to drop off a check and to collect money so the government can take it away. But what this is actually stating is it's a census. They are going to be counted. But it is for the express purpose that they can be taxed the way we would understand it later. They are all going to the areas in which their families were born so that they could be taxed and their tax could be uh, uh, appropriated to the right area. So Bethlehem would send their taxes back to Caesar Augustus. And so everybody, regardless of where they moved, they were always going to be taxed based on where they're from. I'm going to preach to somebody here today. They were always going to be taxed based on the family that they were born into. They were always going to be taxed based on where they came from. They were always going to be taxed based on the neighborhood that they grew up in. They were always going to be taxed. It didn't matter if they tried to get away. They got a few more degrees and a few more dollars in their bank account. There was always going to be a tax that went back through their bloodline and said, you're a child of Bethlehem and you're going to be taxed like such. There are people here today that the devil has come into your world and life itself has always taxed you based on what family you were raised in, what your bloodline is, what your last name is. But I came to tell you that there's somebody that's going to break through that here today and his name is Jesus. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on, somebody love him all across this building. No matter what they did, they could move off to Nazareth as they did. And uh, it'd be like myself being from Washington State. I would come here. I would go visit from Nevada up to Washington. They would count me in the census, and I'd come back to Nevada and have to continue for the rest of my life paying taxes to Washington. Man, I thank God that's not the case. Amen. But it is here that they, they are traveling. You've got to understand that this is a mass exodus. Everybody is coming from all over. And they are coming to each village. It started first in, as the governor of Syria started this. And now it is making its way through the rest of the, of the towns and the cities. And they come to Bethlehem. And the Bible says that there was no room for them in the inn. But I want to explain to somebody what this is saying. It is not talking about the Holiday Inn Express. It's not talking about La Quinta, Days Inn, Motel 6. Whatever else the, the names are. It's not talking about the Hilton. That is not what it is referring to. There are a few words in the Greek. Uh, the closest thing they had to our modern-day motel was something known as a, uh, I'm going to mess up the word, caravansary. A caravansary. And what that was was it was an enclosed building, much like a motel, where you could feed your animals in the middle. And that was there. This word in, however, is not referring to that kind of hotel or motel. Uh, although I will say that if this many mass exodus were traveling through, they were most likely full as well. Uh, this, this, this place of, called the, the caravansary was a place where vagabonds could come and stay for free 
but they had to pay for food. They had to pay for towels and all those other things. They had to pay for provender for their animals. So there was a cost, but it was a hidden cost. Uh, you might remember that there was a story of the Good Samaritan. There was a man on the side of the road that was beaten up. And the Bible says that he took him and he put him on his own beast and he took him to the inn. That is what that is referring to. But in our text here today, the word in or ends in a plural sense is translating to the word cataluma. It's all going to make sense here in a minute. And, and it doesn't mean in like motel, but what it means is guest room or guest rooms. This, this, this is a is pulling back to an ancient Jewish tradition that was started by God. It was in Jewish culture to take in and to entertain strangers. Hospitality was the law of God. It was written right down in the first five books of the Bible. And God said that you got to do well to strangers. you got to entertain strangers. you got to bring them into your home. If they come by and they need food, you give them food. If they, if they need a place to stay, you give them a place to stay. And thus started the tradition of Jewish homes having, amen, a guest room. And the Bible says that God said, remember, because you were strangers in Egypt. Remember where you came from, and I could preach on that this Christmas season. If you can ever remember where you came from, do unto others. I'm going to preach it. Might as well. If you can ever remember what God has done for you, if you can ever remember what somebody else has done for you, my Bible says, withhold not good to them that is due when it's in the power of your hand to do it. Somebody clap and give God praise. But the question comes to me, why were they looking for guest rooms? They were going back to Bethlehem. This is where Joseph's family lived. This is where his heritage was. They should have had a room ready. She's pregnant and about to give birth. You think the family would have said, well, we'll make sure we have a place for you. They were coming back to Joseph's hometown after all. But for some reason, there was no room in the family for them. This means that they were rejected by family and it was probably due to Mary's bad reputation. It might have been due to the questionable pregnancy that Mary had and the family knew that they were coming and so they opened up their home and their guest room to somebody else so that when Mary and Joseph showed up to the family just looking for a little bit of rest and a little bit of food, they'd have to say, I'm sorry, but there is no room for you here. Because it seems that there was no room and also that they were rejected by their family. The Bible would show us, amen, as we look at this, that they seemingly had to go house to house looking for somebody with an open guest room that Moses commanded all the way back in the law. They, they were looking at catalumas. They were looking at guest rooms, if you will, trying to find a place where she could give birth to the Savior of the world. They went door to door looking for a place to to birth Jesus but everywhere they went there was no vacancy in the Cataluma there was no vacancy in the guest rooms of the neighbors we've all been in that position before 
Has anybody ever been on an overbooked flight? Anybody ever been on an overbooked hotel? Well, we reserved your room, but somebody showed up before you, and you're going to have to find a new hotel. I know I've been on a few flights where we're going to have to give you a new flight because we overbooked this one, and you think they could count the seats, but apparently they don't. But it is the same thing. People were not expecting that many people to show up to their city, and I don't think it was all malicious. I do, I do think there was a part of this where they went to the family. The family said, sorry, uh, we knew you were coming, but we filled up the space before you showed up. And, and then they'd go to the neighbors, and maybe the neighbors heard the gossip about Mary and said we don't have room and eventually they got to the other neighbors uh, that they didn't know they went into the other neighborhood across town uh, amen because the nice neighborhood didn't want Jesus and, and they went to the neighborhood across town and see if somebody else uh, wanted Jesus to be born in their house uh, and it could be that nobody wanted to be associated with the scandalous reputation of Mary but most likely they'd all filled up their home they were overbooked there was no vacancy and so Joseph and his fully pregnant wife are going door to door begging for a place to stay can you let us in and door by door somebody would say I'm sorry we're all booked up I'm sorry but my guest room's got a lot of storage in there I haven't cleaned it out this year I left last year's Christmas decorations we didn't put up this year in that room and I'd love to let you in, but we don't have any vacancy. I wish we could, but, you know, the Jones family just came last night. I'd, I'd like to let you in, but we filled that room up months ago. You know, really, Joseph, you knew that this census was happening. You should have come a long time ago. You should have come when we had the room. You should have come when it was a good time for us, but right now ain't a good time for us. It's kind of a hard time. It's a dark night. We don't really want you around right now. And how many people have done that in their life with Jesus? Jesus comes by as he does in the book of Revelations. And the Bible says he stands at the door and he's knocking. I want to tell you, Jesus is the ultimate door knocker. He's coming by. And he's knocking on the door of every individual life. He can go to the rich neighborhood and knock on every door. And maybe they want him, maybe they don't. But let me tell you about Jesus. He'll go to the other side of the tracks and he'll knock on those doors too. Oh, somebody praise him. I'm going to tell you, he'll go to those that we think deserve it. And he'll go to those that we don't think deserve it. He'll go to this race, that race, every race. This language, that language, every language. And he'll knock on the door. Oh, somebody magnify him here this afternoon. Come on. Come on. He's looking for a room. He's looking for a space. Do you got a space for me? Somebody lift up your hands all across this building. Let's pray. Come on, Jesus is coming by your life here today. And he's knocking on the door of your life. And he's saying, is there room for me? Do you have vacancy? Is there an empty space? Is there an empty hole in your heart? Is there an empty space in your life that you've been trying to fill with everything else? But it's not working. Drugs couldn't work. Alcohol couldn't work. Bad relationships couldn't work. This man, this woman, none of it could work. Money, jobs, this, that, and the other. It wouldn't work. He's knocking on your heart. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on, let's pray for just a moment. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray all across the building. Door by door. 
person by person, family by family, neighborhood by neighborhood. Come on. I want to know, do you got vacancy? Is there room? Come on. I want to know. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while, but you haven't let them have space in your life. I've come to help you. Open up. And door by door, people will say, Jesus, you should have showed up when it was a better time. You know, if you'd have showed up before the divorce, if you'd have showed up before all of this mess happened, if you'd have showed up before the addictions, if you'd have showed up, and what people don't realize is Jesus has been knocking on the door of their life long before that. This taxation's been happening for a long time. The whole world's being taxed. And what happens is just like David, amen, Nathan the prophet is telling him the story that there was a ewe lamb and there was a man that had many. And a traveler came by. And that man that had plenty took in the traveler. I want to tell you there are things that are coming through this world that are going to come by your life. There are addictions, compulsions. There's all sorts of, amen, uh, you can have bitterness and guile and anger. You can can have resentment and all of that will come by and knock on the door of your life and you can open up and say hey I got a space for you bitterness I got a space for you unforgiveness I got a space for you right here in this place of my heart and then Jesus will show up and he'll knock on the door you know I, I would let you in but there's no vacancy for you I've come to help somebody it is time to rip the no vacancy sign off your life it is time to say, I don't care if you got to kick somebody out, if you got to set an eviction notice on your heart's door and say, get out. i got to make room for Jesus. Oh, somebody magnify him. They go, and eventually they make it to the somewhere, I'm assuming, in my own imagination, not in your Bible, but I assume. They make it to the outskirts of town. And the Bible says, that they laid, they, they came to a place that was a manger. Now, I'm probably going to ruin everybody's Christmas. Manger is not a stable. What it is, is inside of each Jewish home, they had a guest room, a cataluma. But every, every home that had cattle, they, had a, they almost had a cave, a basement, if you will. And they would bring their animals in to protect them from all of the all of the predators and also to keep the house warm on a cold day and all the families would sleep in the upper room the guest rooms were in the upper room that's where the cataluma was and and they they this they came to the door and they immediately said do you have any catalumas do you have a guest room do you have an upper room that we can stay in and, and they and the man of the house or the lady of the house whatever it was had to say you know what i'm sorry but we did lease that area out we do have that place booked up our guest room does not have any vacancy we don't have any room and as mary and joseph turned their head tears rolling down her face thinking there goes another spot i think we've knocked every door in the city and nobody wants Jesus and we've tried every door that we can knocked on every heart and nobody wants Jesus in their mind and that person said hold on hold on I don't have a space in my guest room but I do have a place called a manger it might be a basement and there might be provender and there might be hay on the floor and there might be cattle everywhere but it's still inside of my house and it might not look 
like much. It's a little dirty, to be honest with you. And it's not how I'd want the Savior of the world to come into my life. And this is not the best time for me. And I I really wish I could clean up my life and get good before I get God. But I'm going to just, I'm just going to give him what I got and see what he does with it. I wish somebody would praise him. Stop waiting for you to get better. You got to get God on the inside and he'll start cleaning things up. Oh, somebody stand and clap your hands and give God praise on this Sunday afternoon. He just wants to know, do you have any room? I don't care what room. Do you got any space? Somebody clap your hands and worship him. Give God a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Let's magnify him. Well, Jesus, it's not much. He didn't ask for much. It's dirty. I know. Just give it to him. There's a lot of people. Listen, and we can remain standing. There's a lot of people that don't think much of what they have. So they don't do much with what they have. They don't do a whole lot with it because they don't think it's a whole lot. And there's, there's certain people that go, well, my life is all out of whack. And, you know, I've got hay everywhere. And, you know, I haven't finished painting the guest room. And, you know, we haven't vacuumed yet. And we haven't windexed everything and dusted, even though the dust is going to fall in about 30 seconds. And, and, and it's here. The, 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 man makes, the man or the woman of the house just makes the decision. Hey, listen, if you can't find anywhere else, if the... If those people don't want you, I'll take you. Listen, the Bible says not many wise were called. Unless you think you're the wisest person in your family, I want to tell you, you're not the wisest person on earth, and neither am I. Not many prudent, not many wise after the flesh. In fact, most of us were the black sheep of our family. And God was trying to reach to those that that everybody said, yeah, that person wants it. But when he came knocking on their door, they said, get out of here. We don't have room for you. And so what did he do? He went to the outskirts. He found the person that was the furthest away. He found the likes of you and I, Elder Bobo, and said, I'm going to bring you to... I'm going to bring you to church, and I'm going to live on the inside. And imagine the miracle. I know we like to celebrate this, and there's nativity scenes everywhere, but, but I hope it didn't ruin the image because it's you know, a little different. They said, hey, we don't have room in the attic, but we have room in the basement. You ain't going to be the top of our life, but we'll put you somewhere. Imagine what God will do with just a little bit. I know everybody goes... I, I've been to places like I've been to churches like this. Unless you're going to get holy, you don't come to this church no more. Hey, listen, you come to this church however you come to this church. And when God gets done with you, somebody shout. When God gets done with you, you'll be shouting and dancing like the rest of us. I truly believe in the power of Jesus Christ. And when we get Jesus on the inside of somebody, you don't have to worry about how they showed up. You let them show up however they want. My pastor was a heavy metal rocker with hair down, down his back. And he came in and God delivered him and he's preaching the gospel. Imagine this place. And in comes infinity becomes an infant. Immortality takes on mortality. The eternal steps down into time. The king of kings who deserves a mansion, who deserves a palace, is now sitting in some, some, some hay, and there's animals everywhere. Hope I didn't ruin that part of Christmas. You can keep the animals. There's animals everywhere. 
though technically the sheep were in the fields. But that, okay, we're gonna, but it's there that this Savior comes in the world. All because somebody said, hey, I'll make room. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Take the no vacancy sticker off your life. Turn that little neon sign in your heart off. Break the no. Just say, hey, I got vacancy. There's always room for more God. Imagine something so small that is making the most universal impact. And it's all because somebody said, hey, I want it in my house. It is that very concept of opening up a guest room that Jesus said on the Passover, go find me an upper room. Go find me a Cataluma. Because I tried this before and they didn't want me in there. But I'm going to come back. For all you that said no the first time, he comes by and says, go find a Cataluma. Because that's what my parents tried to find for me. And they found somebody that said, you know what? I've heard about all the miracles. I've heard about what you've been doing in other people's life. You know that person that had the manger life and you came in their life and so changed it. All of a sudden, the person that got the nicer house with the Cataluma, with the guest room, with the upper room. They have a multiple story home. He says, Jesus, you can come in and celebrate the Passover in my house. And like we did on Wednesday, he said, here's my body, here's my blood, which is broken and shed for you. But it is that same Cataluma in Acts chapter 2. That same guest room. All because that man said, I have room for Jesus and his disciples. I have room for Jesus and his church in my house and in my life. The Holy Ghost fell in that Cataluma. The Holy Ghost fell in that upper guest room. They got communion in the upper room, and now they got the Holy Ghost in the upper room, all because somebody said, I got vacancy for Jesus. But the powerful part of the story is it didn't stay in the room. The Bible said it filled all the house where they were sitting and it didn't just stay in the house it spilled out onto the streets can i tell you when you open up your life for jesus you rip the no vacancy sign off and you say god i've got room it may not be a whole lot it might be a manger and it might be an upper room he fills the entire house i'm done preaching somebody lift up your hands and let's pray Come on. The sole desire of Jesus is to fill your heart, is to fill your life. The greatest gift you can ever receive is the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. I want to open up this altar. Would you make your way to the front? And as you come to the front, there's areas of every life, including mine, where I've blocked it off and said, Jesus, you can go everywhere, but please don't go there. There's no vacancy, no room. Why don't you rip that sign off the door? Why don't you take the locks off of your heart and off your mind and say, Jesus, I'm open. I'm open. Would you pray all across this building? Let today be a life-changing moment when you make room for the Holy Ghost. It fills your life. Come on, that's it. Let's pray in the name of Jesus.
Come on, somebody lift up your voice. Come on, I got vacancy. I got room in my life. I got holes in my heart. God, you can come in. Come on, it might not be much. It might just be a little hovel. It might just be a little manger, but you can open it up. Come on, somebody pray. Lift up your hands and magnify him. Jesus, I am open. Jesus, my heart is open. Jesus, my mind is open. I've got room. God, anything in me that is not is blocking you and stopping you from taking over in my life. God, I want to I wanna let it go. If there's anything in me that is removing you, I wanna I wanna remove it. I, I want to get it out because I gotta make room for you.
the sacrifice 